So it's interesting when um, when Michael asked if I'd like to preach today, I said, "Yeah, righto." And um, and he said, "Well, what are you going to preach on?" And I thought, "Oh, well, it'll be just the, the next section." And um, it was just interesting that um, the next section in Ephesians, it's like the summary of being a Christian. So the first half of what we've just read, it's you know Paul telling us that that we're bad and and we're kept from God and we don't have a relationship with God. And then the second half is is the amazing bit of what Christ did for us on the cross. By his grace we're saved and our relationships made made right. So when Paul wrote this this letter to the Ephesians, the the context that he was writing, it, it's, it's not a, a letter of condemnation or anything like that. It, it's a letter of encouragement. And, 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 and this second chapter of Ephesians really just signifies what it is for us to be a Christ both then and, and now. And so today I guess we'll, we'll just unpack that a little bit. Um, it, it, it seems to be quite a, quite a simple message and um, I, I hope I don't complicate it. So the significance... Um, I guess for me personally, the, the, the significance of a message like this, you really need to start at the top. Um, and I guess my, my experience when, um, when I, was, I was growing up, <laughs> I'm still growing up, but um, when, I, when I'd finished, finished school and I'd, I'd met the girl of my dreams, I, uh, I remember a conversation that we had one night on the telephone. I was, I was at Concordia and... Um, and I didn't know the answer, and, and it really, really, really uh, played heavy on my heart. And she said, she, she challenged me. She said, well, what's the, what's the purpose of life? And I was only 18, you know, I thought I knew everything. I was at uni. <laughs> a few years on, I, uh, I, I know I still don't know everything. But it was a struggle because, you know, I'd been hit in the face, you know, well, what's the point of life? And I'd got to that stage in my life and, and I hadn't answered that question. So why are we here? What's our purpose? So when I eventually got off the phone, the next day I went down to um, Karong and um, a book had just come out called The Purpose Driven Life. It was, uh, it was quite timely. So I, uh, I, I started reading, reading the book and... and Following that series, the, the summary that, that I got to in my life was that, that I'm here as a, as a dress rehearsal for, for eternity, for heaven. That, that my goal here on life is, is to finish with an eternal relationship with Christ in heaven and with God. But there's a problem. And, and the biggest problem that we have is that as humans we're separated from God. So our, our humanness, our, our sin separates us from that relationship with God. And, and that's really the significance of this passage. So God, um, throughout history, has, has had these things called covenants with, with his chosen people. And, and God made a new covenant with us. So they call it the new covenant in the Bible and it's the covenant of pure grace. So in the Old Testament, um, it's funny, you don't realise how interconnected the New Testament and the Old Testaments are until you start preparing messages. But um, I think someone like Mike will be able to uh, just go, oh, duh, curse the connected Justin. 
But if we have a look at Jeremiah 31, I think I've got it up there. 31 to 34. So Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament where he's about the time of King Josiah and um, he's pretty much a a prophet that's telling Israel that that they're doomed and they need to get their relationship right. So the Israelites back then, their their covenant with God was was based on following the law. So I'll be your God if you have no gods before me. If you follow what I wrote to you on the Ten Commandments, you and I will have a relationship. And so at the time, this is what Jeremiah said. So the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I have made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. So that's referring to what happened at Mount Sinai. Because they broke my covenant, though I was the husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me for the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive them, and this is the important bit, I will forgive them their wickedness I will remember their sins no more. So the old covenants, they were made with with animals' blood. But the new covenant was made with Christ's blood. And that's what we remember when we have Holy Communion. So a covenant is a contract. And I guess... um, there were seven major covenants in the Bible in the old times and, and this one being the seventh. The six of them throughout history with Noah and the flood and the rainbow and all that sort of stuff. And so the covenant's like a contract and that's the best thing that we can use to describe it now. So regardless of what contract you sign, there's always two sides. So when Michael's buying his house, the people offering the contract to him are willing to give him, you know, sell him the house in exchange for for his side of the deal. So in this new covenant, there's, there's two sides. So, this new covenant is all about how our relationship with Christ is, is going to work. So the first thing you've got to think about is what are the terms and conditions. So in, in the passage that we read today, we see both sides. And also in Jeremiah. So on God's side... The term is that he will forgive our sins and remember no more. So remember at the start, that was what was impeding us from a relationship with God. So the first thing is, is his side, he won't remember. Now our side of the contract is talked about in Ephesians. So the second half of Ephesians, it says that we're going to be saved by grace through faith. So that's ours. What's that mean? So we're saved by grace. So that's the gift. That's that's God giving that to us. But what's faith? So in my NIV study Bible, they say refer to the notes of another chapter in Romans. So just bear with me and we flick back to Romans. So Romans was also another letter that was, uh, that was written to another church 
after Jesus died. So in Romans 3, verse 22, it explains a bit more about what faith is. So the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So faith in Jesus Christ is believing in him. Now when it says there is no difference, that's referring to Jews and Gentiles. So regardless of whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're God's chosen people or not, having faith in Jesus Christ is about believing in him. Believing in who he was and what he did for us. So the magnitude of God's grace. So we've been given this gift called grace outside of the contracts to to believe in him, to believe what he did for us on the cross. But quite often we we struggle to see the magnitude of that. Um, And I guess personally in my life, um, I don't think I understood the magnitude of what God did until I actually had children. Um, It's funny how um, sometimes they put things in perspective for you. Um, But but more than that, I I didn't understand the the magnitude of of God's sacrifice um, until I actually lost a child. Um, It wasn't until I was to be a father and then lost that life that that the heartache that I felt in my heart, this, this gift of grace became real to me. And, and it's funny in life how quite often we, we receive gifts and we don't understand the sacrifice that the giver gave that really makes us appreciate the gift. And, um, and I think we need to be careful in, in life that we don't just accept this gift of grace as, as you know, something that God was always going to do. He had to give us his son Jesus, who he had a relationship with, so that he would die for us. Not for anything else other than that we can be reunited with God in our relationship. So in summary, our relationship with God is impeded by our sin. But that's okay, because God covers that with the sacrificial lamb of Jesus to make sure that our relationship with him is right. It's a gift. And we just need to believe in Jesus. And so often the message finishes there. But in our Bible reading today, we need to remember verse 10. So let me read that to you again. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. So workmanship in the translation can also be translated as work of art. So we're God's work of art. He knew us, he created us, and each of us is so very important to God. And not only that he created us, but he also had a plan for our lives. He's prepared for us something to do. And so that really comes back to to where I started this message. So 
in the book The Purpose Driven Life there were two questions presented that really challenged me when, when I was searching for the question and the two questions are what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you reject him or did you believe in him? And the second question is really about verse 10. What did you do with what I gave you? Each one of us has a plan for our life. God made us individually. He made us for a purpose. No one else has got your makeup, your DNA. No one else has been put in your family. No one else has got the gifts and talents that you've got. And there's a plan for each one of our lives. So in closing, I, I leave you with, with those two questions. Do you believe or reject Jesus? And are you going to take up the good works that God set before you?